I really appreciated Doug's <clears throat> prayer uh, for the heart of what local evangelism is this morning. You know, I've said this a couple times, we don't want it to seem like we're beating you over the head with go out and reach people, but the reality is, is that if we are not going to share with them, they are never going to hear. And, uh, you know, so in, in light of our theme, Disciples Making Disciples in Everyday Life, and, and uh, our theme verse of 1 Corinthians 1.11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, uh, sometimes when I have the gift of sarcasm, if you know me. Some of you know me. Mike really was laughing. You know, so sometimes when, when I'm trying to explain something to somebody, I'll say, and maybe you've heard other people say this, but would you like me to draw you a picture? You know, because they're just not understanding it. Well, you know what, that's how my brain works. So would you like me to draw you a picture? Excellent. I, I'm glad that you say that. So, so uh, we're going to bring up uh, a picture of what it looks like to go and make disciples, what this really looks like in our world around us. And so we're going to begin this morning by kind of looking at this picture, and hopefully it'll give us an idea of what God's plan and God's desire might be for our lives as individual followers of Jesus trying to make an impact as disciples making disciples in everyday life. And so uh, what we need to remember as we get started is that there are people around us lost in darkness. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there are people lost in the domain of darkness every day all around us. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, sometimes we forget that. We forget what it was once like when we were in the domain of darkness, lost and alone and without hope. And that's what Local Evangelism Month is all about, that there are people every day in our lives who are lost and without hope. They have no hope of eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And we should be the people who are there sharing the good news of Christ with them. You see, because the good news is that there is a kingdom of the beloved Son. And Jesus is the bridge, the dividing line between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of his Son. He is the one that, that came and stepped in to our time so that he could die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, so that we would no longer have to be lost in the domain of darkness and without hope. But instead, we could be part of his kingdom, the kingdom of the blessed Son, and in his holy presence forever and forever and ever. So uh, we're going to throw up some things underneath there that, that kind of show a little bit of what it looks like to go from transferring from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and to be transformed by that message as well. And so this is the diagram that I want us to kind of look at and think through as we're starting this morning. Uh, on, on the far right, I, I believe that I'm pointing correctly because it's on my left, but that would be your left, so that's this way. We see that there are people in this world with absolutely no contact with the gospel. And then they move farther the other direction, and then they have contact with the gospel. And then they have someone who is talking to them 
in their lives. And then we move on to some gospel presentations. And then in the middle, because Jesus is the dividing line between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of the sun, we see that there is conversion that takes place. And then just to the left of that, or to the right of that, just to the side of that, you see that that's, now they are transformed, they are, they are a new creation. And then we see along, there could be 8,000 hash marks there, but we see the growth, the struggles, the, the training that takes place, the sanctification process in our lives. And then under that, I have three categories. We see that there's missions, there's evangelism, and there's discipleship. And, and this is, these are things that most of this diagram uh, came from, from the material from Matthias Media that we're kind of helping and working through it. But I made a lot of changes to it, including this bottom part, because I want us to think about this, because we are very fond of uh, saying at this church that you know, missions and evangel local evangelism go hand in hand. Well, this diagram explains why that is, because there are people in reaches of the earth where there is no gospel message present period they have no word of god they have no christian they there is no way that they can hear about jesus they have no contact and and that's really the beginning of missions going therefore to all the nations so that they can have contact so they can have someone so they can have an image bearer of christ so they can have a light bearer of christ to share the gospel message with them but for that to happen they have to first have contact and then hopefully they move through that and and ultimately they have new christians who are then planting a church if, if they're doing it correctly they're translating the scriptures into their language and, and they have a church and then that's really where missions kind of ends because because now that's a local church with believers that can can do the kingdom life on their own and then a missionary is done but you see there's some overlap because missions also includes evangelism but but evangelism kind of starts at contact point with christians so there are there are people in our culture all around us that, yeah, they, they have the ability to have the gospel. Everybody has the ability to find God's word in America. But oftentimes, they don't have the contact with a believer that they need. They don't have someone to actually come into contact with them and share the gospel message with them. That's what local evangelism is all about, is that, that you and I, who know Jesus, should be the ones going out and contacting them. And we begin by talking to them and building a relationship with them, hopefully then getting to the point where we can share the gospel with them. And then that's evangelism. They're, they're now into the body of Christ. They're, they're part of the body. They're in their sanctification process. And then we have discipleship there on the bottom. And, and, and some people might be thinking, well, why do you have discipleship kind of starting at the talking phase? Because discipleship really is, uh, truly discipleship is taking a disciple and helping them grow in Christ. Now, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, that's the process of evangelism. But, but this, the discipleship process is about you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, being iron sharpening iron and helping one another grow in our knowledge of the Lord, the knowledge of the Bible, and applying those things to our lives, growing in godliness, growing in our obedience to him, growing in all the things that God commands us to do. But the reality is, is that we also don't know I mean, Jesus gets it. He, he's in the middle of that diagram. He knows a man's heart. He knows when the transformation takes place. You and I don't. Sometimes when we're discipling somebody, unbeknownst to us, they may think that they're a Christian, but, but really we just, we're talking to them and rehearsing the gospel in their life because we all need to be reminded of the gospel, and then that's actually when they truly get saved. We've all heard testimonies like that. Man, I thought that I was a Christian for so many years, and then, then the light of the gospel broke into my heart because somebody was, was talking to me about 
about our faith, and I realized I needed Christ. And that's when I really was born again. That's when the Holy Spirit came into my life, and, and, and I was a new creation. And, and, and that discipleship process then continues on as far as that arrow continues until Jesus returns, until he comes again. And so for me, maybe you're not like me, maybe pictures don't help you, but for me, this picture helps me to kind of get a grand scheme of the plan and design of God in our world. He is in the business of taking men and women from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. And the good news is he's chosen to use you and I to do that. And so as we have this framework in mind, well, we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning from Colossians chapter 4 and verses 2 through 6. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Colossians 4, chapter 2 through 6. And as we're reading, I want, us, I want us to really pay special attention to these three things that we're going to really focus on this morning as we wrap up our time together for local evangelism month. I want you to see that God uses prayer, proclamation, and his people to get his message across to others. So let's read together in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our first point this morning is prayer. We, we see that we have to devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. In verse 2, Paul reminds the Colossians, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know, essentially what Paul is doing here at the end of the book of Colossians is he's laying out the fundamentals for the church there. These are kinds of the things that are, you know, in the very bare bones, basic, break it all down. This is what you need to be a good testimony for Jesus. This is what you need to be able to share your faith with others around you. This is what it means to be a disciple and to be making disciples in the world in which God has placed you. If you want to be a disciple maker, focus on these last few things is kind of the tone of this part of scripture. And I want you to know, it's not going to be as easy as it sounds. And I believe that that is why Paul starts by saying, and you have to pray. Because we all know that if there's anything of eternal value that's going to take place in our lives or the lives of people around us, it has to be God that's doing it. If there there is anyone in here trusting Chad or Pastor Ron or Pastor Mike or Pastor Tim for your salvation or your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa, You are sadly mistaken, and someday you are going to stand before the judgment throne of God, and he's going to say, I never knew you. For eternal things to happen, God and his Holy Spirit has to move in the life of people. So so it isn't going to be easy. That's why we must devote ourselves to praying, to praying for others and to being watchful. We must strive for these things. We must pursue these things because there is an adversary who wants nothing of spiritual value to take place in the world around us. He wants nothing to take place for the growth of the kingdom of God. Satan is the enemy of God and he wants us to do nothing so that nothing will happen 
You see, there's so many things in this world that cry for our attention. And Paul says, listen up, focus. This is what you have to strive for. Prioritize these things in your life, and it begins with praying. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. I really appreciated when, when Doug was, was leading us in prayer. He, he, he literally prayed that we would have opportunities. And, and the reality is, is, is in my life, and probably many of yours, I have found that as I'm praying for opportunities for God to either use me in the body of Christ, or if I am praying for opportunities for God to help me to share my faith with others, it is amazing to me how many times he answers that prayer. It is amazing to me how often he will answer that prayer. And, and quite frankly, sometimes I believe it's just God saying, thank you, my child, you want to glorify me, I want to give you opportunities for that. And sometimes I think it's just like those opportunities were always there. But when I'm praying, God, show me opportunities, he's like, should have had a V8. Yeah, there's some opportunities, just open your eyes. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Just go out and share. God just wants us to, to pray and, and pray for opportunities. E even Paul says, pray for us that God may open the door for us for the word. Paul says, pray for opportunities for us to be able to share the gospel. If Paul had to pray about opportunities and had others praying about that for him, I think that's a great model for you and I. We shouldn't be so arrogant to think that, that we don't need to pray about, about God opening up those opportunities for us. But also he says pray for open doors. Literally, yes, I believe he's praying for opportunities, but he's also praying because Paul is in prison. So he may literally be praying, God, uh, take this obstacle out of my way so that I can present your good news to everybody around me. And, and I think that that's an important thing for us to think through as well. God wants us to pray for all open doors. God wants us to pray for opportunities. And he wants us to also then pray for the removal of barriers that are in our, in our lives. Paul says, I'm in prison and, and I need open doors so that I can go and share. And I don't think he's praying that selfishly. This is not a self-motivated prayer. Paul's not saying, God, get me out of prison because I am your faithful laborer. I don't understand why these bad things are happening to me. That is not it at all. He's praying, God, if you could be more glorified by this door being opened and me having more opportunities, then, then please, Lord, do that because I want you to be glorified. Man, what a, what a beautiful, heartfelt prayer. And I think that it is a prayer that God desires to answer in our lives if we will pray for the removal of barriers and for opportunities to proclaim his goodness to those around you. This carries that same tone of, of the kind of uh, when we have obstacles in our way, Paul doesn't say, if you don't open the door, I'll stop proclaiming you. His, Paul's goal is to be obedient. And if God opens the doors, I will be obedient there. But until he opens those doors, I'll be obedient right here. And jailers will get saved. But God, I think you deserve more than that. So pray. Pray for opportunities and the removal of barriers so that God's name could be proclaimed in your world around you. But then he also tells them to pray that you will be watchful. This carries that connotation of self-controlled and alert because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around looking for someone to devour. 
This, this has the connotation of, of thinking of the day when Jesus will come again and no longer will anybody have a chance to come to know Jesus as their Savior. That day is coming. And in light of that day, you and I should be wanting and willing to share our faith with everybody that we come into contact with. Because that day is coming. And we have to, we have to be looking for that. So we have to be watchful. But also, it's a warning for us that, that sin is at our door. The adversary wants to destroy us. And so we need to examine our own lives and our own hearts and say, God, is there, is there something in my life that I need to be watchful of so that I might be a better testimony to you? If there is, Lord, I pray that you would remove that and help me to be watchful. And God, as you do all this, and I'm praying for these opportunities, and I'm praying that I, that I will be watchful, I pray that I will be thankful. And you need to pray that you will be thankful. Understand that Jesus is eternal life. Knowing him, faith in him, is the key to everything. And so we need to be thankful for that. It's kind of like Trisha's song, which I so appreciated. I once was this, but now I'm this. So God, break those chains away, and, and ultimately, it was a perfect song. I, I, I had tears welling up in my eyes as she's singing it, because that should be at the heart of every time we share the gospel with somebody, is a recognition of, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was, was broken, but now you have made me whole. I once was in chains and captive to sin, but now I have the freedom that comes from, only from knowing Jesus. That should also be at the heart of our gospel presentation. We should want to share that with others, that which we have understood in our own life. We're going to circle back to that in a little bit later as we continue in our passage. So later we're going to see that, that Paul is challenging not just himself and asking for prayer, he's asking uh, the Colossians to be involved with the sharing of good news. So, so we will circle back and look at that. But if we're going to jump into the fight, if we're going to jump into this spiritual battle, Paul says the foundation of that is prayer. Ask God to do what only God can do. Because if anything of eternal value is going to take place, he is the one that has to do it. Our second point is proclamation. Paul wrote, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the world, or a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That phrase, the mystery of Christ, sometimes causes people to, to stumble and to, to, to not fully understand what Paul is talking about here. Ultimately, he is talking about his plan for the world. The mystery that was revealed in Christ. We're going to bring up that slide again. Do you see, do you see the diagram? That's God's mystery. That's the mystery of Christ right there. We, we, we may not have understood it before, but now that we know Jesus, we should be able to look at that and go, yes, this now all makes sense. It's no longer a mystery because I know the one who is at the center in the heart of all of God's plan there. I know that he is the one that all of history points to and all of the future is derived from. He is the one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, I'm going to go and make disciples of all nations because... Jesus has purchased their salvation. He has atoned for their sin. He has paid the penalty. Jesus is the one who has done everything. He is the one who is all to us that we sang about. 
I love it when God brings all of these things together to help layer our learning so we can have a better understanding that what, of what it means that when for God so loved the world, he became all to us and, and allowed us to be part of sharing that good news with others around us. But, you know, we can sometimes get hung up on that word mystery. So I love that Paul kind of clears it up for us right here. He also says that I'm going to make clear the gospel. I'm going to make clear the message. I'm going to make, make it abundantly clear that this mystery that people don't understand, you are to go and proclaim. So it's not like a mystery that nobody could understand. It's not like our role, role is to somehow decipher some secret code and, and, and transfer that knowledge to people. Our, our goal is to help people who are in the domain of darkness to understand what it means to be part of the kingdom of his son and to understand, help them to understand that Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's not called a mystery because people can't understand it. It's called a mystery because without the Holy Spirit moving in their life, no one can possibly truly know what that means. And, but our goal is to make it clear. Our goal is to make it clear. There's no way that we can explain everything so much that whoever we're talking to will guaranteed absolutely trust Jesus as their Savior. We can't do that. But our goal is to make it as clear as humanly possible. One of our basic responsibilities is to be able to explain to people around us what Jesus has done for us in our lives. And maybe you're a singer and you can do what Trish did and sing about that in a song. But all of us who have been changed by Jesus can do what others are doing tonight. And I hope you'll come back for our membership baptism service tonight where we'll have the opportunity to hear what Jesus has done in the lives of people around us. It's such a great culmination to local evangelism month because we get to hear the testimony of people who were once in the domain of darkness but are now in the kingdom of the sun. And we get to hear about how God interceded in their life. They get to tell the world how Christ has changed them. And we get to listen, we get to celebrate, we get to say amen. And we get to welcome them into this body. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, and the, and the interesting thing with that is, and we've all heard different people share their testimony, and depending on who you are and what your personality is, and quite frankly, how much you like talking, uh, you, some people will talk for a long time and they will give you every intimate detail and this was the emotion that I felt with you know that this was the emotion that was going on in my life at the time and these were the things I was struggling with but then Christ broke into my life and they may talk about it forever and you may have someone else who says you know what Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so I knew I was a sinner and I knew Christ died for me and I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior and both are a beautiful portrayal of the grace of God at work in someone's life. It doesn't matter how many elaborate words or details they share. What matters is that Jesus, the one who is at the center, stays where he rightfully belongs. And outside of Jesus, they could have said, God's plan was a mystery to me. But then, boom, he broke through. And that which was darkness became light. And the Holy Spirit began to illuminate the scriptures for me. And now I know Jesus, and it all has become clear to me. Quite frankly, this is like Paul explains to the Colossians just a few chapters earlier. If you have an actual Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1, or press the left button on your device. 
Colossians verse, or chapter 1, verses 24 through 29 says this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in all my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I have heard so many talk about Pastor Tim's messages on discipleship and Christ in you, the hope of glory, and how much that impacted us. And that was, that was where I kind of said, all right, then I'm going to kind of make that the linchpin of what we're talking about for lo- local evangelism month, because that is ultimately what it all boils down to. Christ in me, the hope of glory, therefore I share that with everyone. Christ in you, the hope of glory, so you share that with everyone. And it's, and it's, and it's the multiplying discipleship that goes on in God's word. But, but Paul said there that we need to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and for generations, but now revealed to his saints. If God has revealed the truth of who Jesus is to you, you need to make that known to others around you. Clearly proclaiming his good news. The last point that we're going to look at this morning is people. I have bad news. We are not off the hook. Just because God has done everything necessary to accomplish our salvation, that does not mean that you and I are now off the hook. God uses us. Now that he has has claimed us as his own, now that he has adopted us as sons and daughters into his kingdom, now that he he has bought us and paid for us with the price of his son, Christ Jesus, we have become his image bearers in this world. Bring up that image for me one more time here, Ryan. You see, what I really like about this image is that it all really takes place at contact. God can only use people to change the lives of people that they come into contact with. That's why we raise money and give toward foreign missions because there are people in the world who have no contact with the gospel. They have no contact with another Christian who could possibly share the gospel with them. They have no contact with God's word which could lead them to a saving relationship with Christ Jesus. But here in DeWitt and Fowler and St. John's and Parrington and wherever people may come from, there's people all around us that we come into contact with. And that was beautiful. I didn't ask Doug to do this, but as he prayed for opportunities, he literally prayed for those people that you have put in our lives, our sphere of influence, and given us contact with. Those are the people that we should be the most concerned about right now. If God has placed you here in one of these local communities, he has placed you here to have contact with them. So let's see that in our passage. Paul turns his attention to the Colossian church, uh, and he says to us in verse 5, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I'll be honest, a little bit of transparency here. 
I love the ESV, but I hate the way that this verse is translated. And maybe it's just because I've memorized it in the NIV, and, and quite frankly, I tell my teens all the time that most of the time when I'm quoting, I quote Chad's New American Paraphrase because it's a mishmash of all the different versions that I've, tra- I, I've memorized from. Pastor Tim amazes me. He always can have it memorized in the right version. Uh, and, and I think of other speakers that like they're like, oh, I learned this 20 years ago in the NIV, and so I'm just going to quote Romans chapter 8 in that. That's not how I am. My brain mixes everything all together, so oftentimes it's all a big mishmash. Uh, but in the NIV it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, uh, so that you will be able to give, uh, uh, so that you will be able to answer everyone. And I love the way that that is translated. But I want you to know that the ESV actually translates it better. <laughs> as much as I, I like be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, at the heart of this verse is the fact that God uses people for the proclamation of his message. God's gospel is not dependent on Paul, and it's not dependent on you and I, but we are the vehicle that God has chosen to use. God chooses to use his adopted sons and daughters within the context of his church, his body, to go and to share the good news with others. And that can be over coffee. That can be at school. That can be at work. That can be through the internet. That can be through having contact with people that God has placed in your sphere of influence. But what I like most about that passage of scripture is that Paul didn't say, make sure you stay away from those people. You know, those sinners. Make sure you stay away from those that are really lost and, man, they're, they're really struggling and they are wicked people. Man, they completely disobey what God wants. Well, those are the people that we're supposed to have contact with. Those are the people that we're supposed to proclaim the good news to. Those are the people that we're supposed to, to build a relationship with and share the gospel with, help them to see that, that Jesus is the only way for them to have hope and to get past all those things that they are struggling with. Jesus came and died for me, but he also came and died for the people on the outside. We're supposed to be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders. We're supposed to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, not just the beautiful people here in front of me that I love. That means those people out in the world that rub me the wrong way, that use the Lord's name in vain, that talk about things that I don't want to hear, Jesus died for them too. And, and maybe he put me there to be the salt and light and to share the gospel with them so that they can move past their brokenness, their darkness, and be welcomed into the kingdom of his beloved son. And we have to understand it's not an obligation. It's a gift. You and I have the gift of being included in God's plan to reach people all around us. But the, the, trans, the, the translation note that I mentioned, I want us to understand that ultimately what Paul is telling them is live out the wisdom of the mystery that is in you. That's really at the heart of be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Because above that, when, Jesus, when, when Paul was talking about the mystery of Jesus and, and, and the mystery of Christ and, and all of that that's going on, he's basically now saying, you understand it. You get it. So now you who understand it, you who once were this but now are this, go out and share that mystery. Make it clear to everyone around you. It's not just dependent on Paul. Church, you've got to go do it too. 
And it's not just dependent on the pastors here at First Baptist Church. And it's not just dependent on the ministry leaders here at First Baptist Church. If God wants to reach our community, he's going to do it through his sons and daughters, faithful men and women, boys and girls that love him, that know him, and share that with the people that they have contact with. It's no longer a mystery to you. So go tell that to others. And I'm sure that the Colossians were just like us. They probably thought they weren't qualified. They probably thought they wouldn't be able to do a good enough job of it. Maybe some of them even thought it was Paul's job to share. So why would he be burdening them with this horrible, horrible obligation? But the last thing that Paul shares with them in this letter before he kind of gives some personal greetings and remarks and those kinds of things is he says, use your limited time on earth to share the good news with others around you. Share the message of Christ with people who are lost and dying. And everywhere, throughout all of eternity, I think God's people have doubted their ability to do that. But in Romans 15, 14, Paul says to the church in Rome, because they probably struggle just like the church in, uh, in, Col- in, in the Colossian church, and just like the church in St. John's right here in First Baptist probably struggles with it. So Paul wrote Romans 15, wrote 15, Romans 15, 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. You are qualified. Stop saying that you're not qualified. What makes you qualified is not your knowledge, not your skill at, at persuasion, not your wise words that you might say to others. What makes you qualified is that Jesus is in you. If Jesus is in you, you are qualified to share him with others. He breaks it down really simply for them. Our last two points, I want us to just kind of be quick hitters for us to to leave these things in our mind as we wrap up. Know the fundamentals so you are ready to give an answer. If a five-year-old boy or girl who has trusted Jesus as their Savior can clearly articulate the gospel, and they can We have wonderful children's ministries and Sunday school classes and parents at home that help them to be able to do that. If a child that is that young, that knows Jesus, can clearly articulate the gospel, certainly we should be able to do justice to all that God has done for us through Christ. Certainly, we should just be able to know the fundamentals and share with others around us. The last thing I want to warn us about to give us heed about is something that Paul brings out. He says there's no room for arrogance or complacency in our evangelism efforts. We can't be arrogant thinking it depends on us, and we can't be complacent thinking that, that well, God's just going to do whatever God's going to do so we don't have to worry about it. He has chosen to use us. The message of the gospel is that no one is worthy of eternal life, but Christ interceded so that all who would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Our conversations with outsiders, with those that don't understand the message, must always be full of grace. It can't be, look at what we've done, because if we say that, we're misrepresenting the gospel. It's not about us, it's about Christ. We must absolutely always be full of grace when we're having conversations with people about the gospel. And that includes online activity. Oh, I wish Christianity would understand that 
you can take a stand for the truth, but always be full of grace. It doesn't matter whether you're Facegram insta-tweeting or emailing or a comment section on some website. Be full of place. The world is a harsh, harsh place. And there are many, many harsh Christians out there. Don't misunderstand me. We must call sin, sin. I'm not saying we should compromise the word of God, but we must be full of grace. It's interesting to note that Paul says seasoned with salt. He doesn't say pile that salt on until they can't breathe under the weight of their own sin. Pile it on them. And when they can't breathe, pile on some more because then they'll, they'll see their need for Jesus. That's not what he says. He says be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Clearly proclaim, proclaim the gospel. Make it known to them, but be full of of grace when you do it. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 31 through 11, 1, leading into our verse for the month, we read this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but, but that of many, that they may be saved. You could qualify that by saying, let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. But be imitators of me as I am of Christ. God simply wants us to be disciples making disciples in everyday life. What does that look like? It looks like this. And you were thinking that you were going to see the other. That's the wrong one. Do we have the other one, Ryan? It looks like this. You were thinking you were going to see that one just like Ryan was. But when we do all for the glory of God, and maybe you can't see that picture clearly, but you've got a construction worker, you've got a teacher, you've got somebody sitting down for coffee, you've got men and women, being disciples, making disciples in everyday life, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And ultimately what we see is the beauty of the cross right here, right now, made manifest in our lives, those that know Jesus, living out the gospel in everyday lives. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I hope that you can say that of your life if you know Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege it truly is for us to be called sons and daughters, to be transferred from the domain of darkness into your kingdom of your beloved Son, Christ Jesus. I pray for those of us that know that good news, for those of us who knew what we once were, but know what you have made us now. I pray that you would help us to proclaim that good news boldly, but full of grace and seasoned with salt, that you may be glorified as others come to know you. And Father, I know that this morning there are probably men and women, boys and girls that are here that don't really know what it means to have trusted Jesus as their Savior, to have that relationship with you. They're still lost in the domain of darkness. Oh Lord, I pray that you would use your words from, from the, what we've shared this morning to challenge hearts and to change lives. Help them to seek out the truth so that they can have an eternal relationship with you, basking in your glory, praising your name forever and forever. Help them to seek that out. Help them to ask those questions. Help them to find those answers that will demonstrate and show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we want you to receive the glory. And so we praise your name together in Jesus' name. Amen.